Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to introduce Hugh Culver international speaker. How are you doing, Hugh? I'm great, Ken. I'm excited about being on your show. Fantastic. I was looking at your website and some of the things you've done, and it's, it's quite something, but I'd like to go way back in time for a minute, if we could. When did you get the you know, the entrepreneur bug? When did you start uh, your first uh, venture? Well, uh, I was really lucky to have an older brother, my brother Dan, who back in the 70s was actually in whitewater rafting. He was one of the very first uh, real pioneers in Western Canada. So he introduced me to small business. He took me on as a guide and then I worked with him for uh, almost a decade and then became partner in his company. So I got to see a really small business that you know, in our world of adventure tourism became quite a big business and we had over, I guess, a dozen guides and all sorts of support staff. So I got to see what it was like to run a small business and the budgeting and the finance and, you know, what happens when you run out of money. And then after that, I, I uh, took a break and then joined three partners and we started flights to the South Pole. So then I, I leapt into, I, wow. again, it was a, yeah, it was a small business still. We only had there was four partners, and we had in the uh, in the heat of the season, which is you know the austral summer, we would have about 35 people working for us on contract. But now I was dealing in millions of dollars. Like you know, a typical sale for us was 35,000, and and big sales were a million, 1.2, 1.8 million dollars. So because we were doing a lot of expedition support, so I I got a chance to hire all these pilots, and I bought two different airplanes. Uh, we we had a fleet of four planes, right? So I got to build base camps, and you know, we're so suddenly I was writing checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars and flying into Europe and and trying to negotiate million dollar deals. So so that's where it all started. Uh, that's yeah. kind of like my background is really in adventure tourism, and then and then after that I went to graduate school and then got into more corporate consulting. So what did you do for excitement? Huh. Just just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, I I also have some pretty exciting hobbies I I enjoy. All right, okay. Now just to go back to your brother's business for a minute, sure. did he start it on like a shoestring himself? Totally. Or? Yep, absolutely. We used to actually build our own rafts. So we would go to Arizona. So I, I grew up in Vancouver. We would go to Arizona. We would buy uh, World War II surplus. Uh, they're called Bailey Bridges. And we would buy the tubes and we'd, we'd bring them home and we'd unroll them and wait till they thawed out. Then we'd buy them in the wintertime and we'd, we'd, we'd go down in a, in a school bus, take all the seats out, we'd go down in a school bus that we owned. And then we would uh, spend the winter stripping these things down and cleaning them up and patching them. And then we would build a metal frame around them and that was our rafts. So yeah, it was very much shoestring. Just out of curiosity, do you think today mm-hmm. someone could get into this business on a shoestring, or it's it's too mature to try to do something. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, no, they could not, uh, because nowadays everybody expects you to have commercial equipment, which is really expensive. Uh, they also, in now the guides are certified. Insurance is expensive. There's all sorts of regulations that are required. The all of the you know sort of ancillary equipment like your life jackets are much more expensive. So no, you you know you couldn't. 
which is why I think we see so many people going into online businesses, Ken, because you know the barriers to entry are a lot lower, and so therefore yes. also the risk level is also lower. All right. So okay, let's go to that for a minute. So uh, some of our listeners, there many of them are experts in some field. They might be expert plumber. They might be an expert le- electrician. They might be a former accountant that was you know, really knew what they were doing in a specialty. And then all of them have hobbies. So maybe you know they might have a baseball hobby on the side, but their expertise is accounting or or being an electrician, what would you recommend, you know, for them? Where where should they start? Their hobbies, what they really love, or their work, which they, you know, thought was okay, but, you know, maybe it wasn't their first choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, if, if there's two schools of thought. So the first school of thought comes from the, the, the school, you know, of business, where the academics will tell you that you should look for an underserved market niche, and then you should exploit it. So you should look for something that people, you know, have a need and there aren't a lot of people serving that need and then you should exploit it. Kind of like, you know, Sam, Sam Walton coming in and, and creating these big box stores or people coming up with, you know, inventions that's, that help people that have smartphones or something like that. That's one school of thought and it's very much analytical and it's very much based on percentages and risk factors. There's another school of thought, which is the one I subscribe to, which is, why don't you just start by looking at what you need, or look at what your friends need, or look at, in other words, look at something a bit more personal and perhaps a smaller scale. So what is it that you struggle with? So for example, you know, I'm a boomer, and so I, I, today's actually my birthday, so I'm 57 today. And so, happy birthday! Thank you. And so, as someone in my mid fifties, late fifties, I guess now, late fifties, what am I going through, right? And then ask yourself, well, what would be a solution that would help me to get from A to Z? So, help me to get from where I am today to where I want to be, less painfully or less expense expense wise or faster. So, what would be a solution that would do that? And then to go out there and then go the next step. So the next step, of course, is research. But but just to start by looking at what do you need or what do your friends need, I think is for most people, you're going to have a lot more success because also what's going to happen then is you're going to be creating a product or a service you actually care about. And it's going to be much easier to put in the long hours to actually create that kind of a product. Okay, so you're not just saying what the need is. It's a need that you have a relationship with. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So you found that it's really hard to keep track of your exercise, your routines. Well, there's lots of apps for that. But maybe you find that it's really hard to remember recipes or you find that you have a hard time remembering names and that good old contact lists don't work very well anymore. Okay, great. Well, maybe there's something you can create. Or in the case of the plumber that you mentioned, well, maybe what you can start thinking about is becoming a mentor to plumbers. So maybe there's something that you've discovered that you know how to do really well. Like for example, how to grow a plumbing business, how to how to hire employees. So why don't you look at becoming a mentor to other plumbers because it's something that you would have liked yourself. So now you have a a natural interest in it. And that's exactly what I've done. So I've realized I've been a public speaker for 15 years. There's a lot of things I know about speaking that I don't see in textbooks anywhere. I don't see even in, you know, current nonfiction books. So I've now created my own services to help other people that want to become speakers because I'm naturally interested in that. And also I 
have put in the hard work to figure out how all this stuff happens. Okay, let's go to speaking for a second. Sure. Could we say that the plumber or anyone, if they had a half-decent voice mm-hmm. and uh, you know weren't too afraid, could make it in the public speaking business if they knew you know a fair amount of a, a field, like plumbing, for example? Absolutely. So, of course, they could, and that's what we actually help people to learn how to do. So we have uh, courses and retreats now that help people to become those kind of speakers. But at the same time, I would caution them by saying, as you know, as sexy as speaking is, and as lucrative as it possibly can be, because it really can be. I mean, I've, you know, I've done very well as a speaker with nothing else, you know, no other supporting products. I would also caution them and say, unless you are willing, you know, to chase down speaking engagements literally all over North America or even the world to fill your calendar, you better have something else as well. So like Tony Robbins, I mean, he's made some serious money. He has, but you'll notice that Tony Robbins has a very vertical business. In other words, a lot of things he has a lot on. of other things going on. And so a very simple thing would be, for example, the plumber is going to be a speaker plus a coach. Now, that'd be a really easy thing to do because neither one actually involves creating a physical product. And so that way, every time that he goes to an association event and he's in front of 300 people, there's an opportunity to pick up, let's say, 1% as coaching clients. You know, that's probably a pretty viable proposition. So now you've got your speaking income, which is going to come in in, you know, nine months of the year is going to come in hot and heavy, even if you only did 20 events a year. But in addition, you can have a roster of a dozen or so speaking clients that are paying you, you know, a really good fee to help uh, move their business forward. Okay, so this plumber, he's uh, where I am here, Clearwater, Florida, and he says, okay, how do I go out and find out if there's even a market for me to train people plumbing or coaching, or am I going to go online? I'm going to. It really doesn't matter where they are. Where, where, how should he approach it to see if, if this is a viable? Yeah, choice? it's a great, great question. Okay, so I'll give you at least two really fast ways to figure this out. Really fast. So one way is to go on Amazon, go to Kindle Books, mm-hmm. type in your topic area. And then find the books that come up under your topic area. So let's suppose with the plumbing example, Ken, that the person types in plumbing business or plumbing contractors or plumbing franchise or something like that. So they're looking for anything. Just plumbing. Or just plumbing. Well, I'm not so much interested in this case around the mechanics of plumbing. I'm thinking more that he's going to be speaking around the business of plumbing. But but he finds this topic area that he's interested in. Now, what you do is you scroll down. You look for the details on those books. So let's say he finds a dozen books. He scrolls down to every single book. He looks at the detailed description of that book, which is going to be the year it was printed, who was the publisher, how many pages it is. And then at the very bottom, there's going to be this one line, and it's going to say Amazon bestseller rank. And the Amazon bestseller rank is a number. And believe it or not, that number is actually really good market research because that number is updated every hour. And what it tells you is how popular is that book on Amazon amongst all books in Kindle. Okay, And if it's under 150,000, there's a pretty good chance that that market niche that that book addresses is actually really popular, under 150,000. 
even under 100,000, under 100, even better. And so what I'm suggesting is within like three to four minutes, this person could be online in Amazon Kindle and actually discovering, is my topic even popular right now? And, and the reason we use Kindle, by the way, is because it's a very low barrier to entry to produce a book on Kindle. And so yeah. you're going to have more topics, more authors, more titles. The second way is to go online and type in association plumbing, just those two words. What you're going to get is you're going to get plumbing associations all over North America. Certainly, you're going to get them within the English-speaking world if you're in an English-speaking country. And this is using the Google search bar. And then what you're looking for is events. And once you find the events on the association page, what you then do is you look at the agenda because one of the unique things about associations and and this is really wonderful because associations are actually the largest speaking events in the world are association events and the highest paying ones I often are the highest paying yeah and so what, what's really beautiful about associations is they publish their agendas online in fact if you search you can actually find the past year's agendas quite often so now this plumber is looking at plumbing associations and their agendas and is and when he looks on there what it will tell him is what topic are popular and so those two pieces of research are going to really help him to understand, okay, if I was a plumbing speaker, a speaker that spoke about plumbing, first of all, are any, is anybody writing about this? Well, yes, they are. And what is the sort of twist that they're putting on it? Like, is it, what kind of part of business building is, is of interest on Kindle? And then secondly, when it comes to being paid as a speaker at association events, what are the actual topics that they seem to be interested in? Is it leadership or business startup? Is it succession planning? Is it pricing? Is it negotiation? Like, what, what is it? And then to start to develop your speaking platform around those topics. Okay, so you develop, uh, you go there, you see, okay, uh, everyone's talking about sinks and plumbing sure. and sinks. Okay. So I know that's what I want to focus on. So I, I create a talk on that. But, of course, no one knows my name. I'm brand new. Sure. Uh, how am I going to do uh, – is someone going to pay me, uh, association going to pay me for my first talk? Or do I record myself, put it up on YouTube and let them go over and look at it? Or what do I do? Yeah, so this is – okay, so this is the million-dollar question. So in the old days, <laughs> you know, like 10 years ago, uh, mm -hmm. before the world of content marketing, what you would do and, – and this is still – relevant today is you go within your circle of influence and you would just start letting people know this is what you do. So you would speak to maybe you sit on some kind of board of directors. Maybe you have some kind of supplier chain. You would speak to those people. You know, maybe you would go directly to the associations. And that that would be a really good way for someone that's an established professional to start to get recognized as a speaker. In the new world, which is the world of content marketing, you're gonna, it's going to be a slower but perhaps a little bit more productive approach, and that is you're going to build what we now call a platform. So what you're going to do is, of course, you're still going to go to your circle of influence. Of course, if you're on a board of directors and there's influencers within your industry, you're going to speak to them and let them know, hey, this is what I'm doing now. What do you think about getting me on the agenda? Or should I? who's on the committee this year? Maybe I can go and talk to them. So you're going to do that. But in addition, what you're going to do is you're going to build something online that people can actually look at. So usually there's going to be videos. There's going to be a blog, which is really important for staying top of mind. There's going to be a program description about what you speak about. There's going to be your biography. So all of these components together are going to start to help create uh, what we refer to as an online platform. And the platform includes your website, of course, but it also includes where are you showing up online. So And that, that becomes a really 
interesting. And this is this is what becomes quite daunting, Ken, for a lot of new speakers is they start thinking, oh, my goodness, like you mean I have to do all of these things mm-hmm. to get hired? And, you know, it, it, to me, it's kind of almost comical because I think, OK, on one hand, you're telling me you want to get paid five to ten thousand dollars for an hour's work. But on the other hand, you're telling me you're not willing to actually do the hard work to actually earn it. So it does come with the game. If you want to be a speaker in this world, you do need to put in a lot of time to get noticed. All right. So would you recommend at this early stage to maybe go talk to Chamber of Commerce meetings for free or uh, Better Business Bureau meetings or something like that to, to get a feel for it and then have, some, have them record it so you've got something to put online or just create something online with you? Uh, as a talking head, sort of. I think both. Yeah, both. I mean, it, nothing is uh, going to be more beneficial than getting practice because at the end of the day, you better have a good speech. So all of those things help. Okay. So when I work with speakers, they've usually gone past all of those early steps. So they've been speaking at the Chamber of Commerce. They've gone through Toastmasters. They, you know, what they're looking for now is, well, how do I actually get hired? Like, how do I, you know, I've got the basics. It doesn't mean that they're fantastic yet as a speaker, you know, but, but what they're looking for is, okay, how do I get those 20 to 30 engagements a year and start to build up that business? So uh, how long is it going to take people to get up to that stage that you're talking about that a lot of your customers are at? Uh, I mean, if a person is, he's just retired, he wants to spend 20, 25 hours a week doing this. He really is serious about getting a side business because he needs the money or whatever the reason. Uh, How quick is he going to get up to the stage that you're talking about here that a lot of your people are at? Well, this is the challenge, you know, for some people, they'll never get there. Quite frankly, they won't because... Not in them. <laughs> well, the market might be really crowded. Okay. So the market's really crowded, and the market doesn't need another speaker. It could be that the person, quite frankly, is no good. You know? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you know what comes along with the high pay is that it's a pretty unforgiving industry. And if a person, you know, really just doesn't quite have it on stage, they're awkward. They're halting. They use inappropriate humor, even. They're just not going to get hired. And it doesn't matter how good their resume is. People just find them, you know, it's not a good fit. And when it comes to event planners, event planners are incredibly sensitive to anything that's going to impact their event. You know, they've got 300 people that are all coming in kind of blind. Like most people don't really pay much attention to the speaker profile. So that sort of stuff there. Oftentimes, especially with associations, these people have to attend because they need to get their, their education credits, their PDUs. So that event planner is on the hook. Like that event planner has got to put people on stage that are really low risk. They know that they're going to be great. Even if they're a celebrity that can't speak, at least they're a celebrity. (laughs) And most people will give them a standing ovation just because of the fact that they survived the NHL or the NFL or the Olympics or climbed that mountain. But for most of us, there is no guarantee. So what we need to do is we need to do all of our base work. We need to develop a really good speech that actually delivers content that's relevant. We need to be willing to customize that. We need to be willing to get out there and build our platform. So we need to be willing to put up a website and get good content on there and make sure it's it's current. And then we need to be willing to, I would suggest in most cases, give it three years. In three years, if you're not making six figures a year as a speaker, then you know, either it's a hobby or part-time, That's which is great, or, you know, you really need to recalibrate and, and find a different path. 
So at that point, they could decide, okay, I will uh, focus more on one-on-one consulting. Sure. That's what they feel comfortable with, or creating videos on the, on starting a plumbing business if we're still dealing Absolutely with that. can, or they could create an online course. So, you know, I have a model for, I call it my quick and dirty um, online course, and they could create an online course where maybe uh, three times a year they invite self-employed plumbers, they invite small business plumbers to come and work with them, uh, and they will train them on how to build their business because that's one of the beauties of our online world now is that those kind of courses are a lot easier to create. They're, there's very little risk in developing them. Um, you can start off with just like a handful of students, and it's actually can be quite a lucrative way for you to share your expertise. And at that point, you create the, a video of that those two days of meetings and sell them uh, as an evergreen product probably all year round. Uh, you could, yeah. That's difficult. That It's difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because when it comes to online anything, urgency is a huge seller. And so it's it's more difficult. Now, if you have a huge mailing list, yes, you can always do that uh, because at least a very small percentage will, will go for that. But I, I've found that if it's not live and right now, uh, people are... Uh, less likely to engage, right? So urgency really does get people's attention. The fact that that course is starting on this date and it's ending on that date gets people to move to action. The fact that when it's evergreen, it's just not as powerful a, a, um, a driver. So just to get an idea here, as a speaker, mm-hmm. your ability to speak is probably going to be 80% of it, and what you know is only 20 or <laughs> uh, You mean as far as content goes? Well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you could be an extremely advanced plumber and know everything about everything, but if you're a lousy speaker, there's a good chance you'll fail. If you're a mediocre plumber but a fantastic speaker, uh, you'll probably make it because you're That's right. because of correct. Yeah, they, yeah, there's an, there's that old line, right? Those that can't do teach, uh, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think that you're quite right. You know, when it comes to what. Like, here's the deal. When it comes to what makes for a successful speaker, you've got to remember that there's two audiences. So there's the audience, which is sitting in the seats, and they're the delegates. And what they want is they want entertainment, relevance. They do want some content, but they don't want to be overwhelmed. Um, you know, they find it very difficult to, you know, to follow, you know, academics and all of the heavy-duty content that's really going to make their heads spin. So entertainment, relevance, content. When it comes to the event planner, which is the second client, the one standing in the back of the room, they have a different shopping list. Their shopping lists are things like, were you easy to work with? <laughs> were there any surprises? Did you deliver what was on your list, uh, you know, your description of your of your program, that sort of stuff? And did you and does it look like the audience likes you? The event planner is less concerned about content. They're more concerned that the 300 delegates walk away saying, wow, that was unbelievable. Like, that was a great hour. And so as a speaker, what you need to do is you need to please both of them. So you need to please the delegates. Delegates don't need unbelievable new content. They don't. What they need is content that they can use today. And so if it means reminding them in a more entertaining way than they've heard before, that's perfect. So if they need to be reminded the value of developing the people on their team, 
or they need to be reminded that, you know, customer service still works. And that, you know, if you do this little follow-up phone call after you, you know, charge the client $300, they need to be – so if you can remind people um, just about really good principles of business, but do it in an entertaining way, that's going to work great with the delegates. Event planner, you just need to make sure you, you – you know, make sure you you showed up on time. You showed up early, in fact, that you were you know didn't have any surprises. There was no last minute requests. You finished on time. So that's how you become a successful speaker. All right, and then just to reiterate, then would be that uh, speaking is a speaking business. It's not really an accounting business or a plumbing business. <laughs> You're in the speaking business. You obviously have to know the field, but. The main thrust of it is speaking, so don't be so concerned about the content as long as it's relevant, reminding them what they already knew but was reinforcing it for them and doing it in an entertaining way. But it's all about speaking, <laughs> really. Yeah, more or less. I mean, I don't think any speakers would ever admit that because, okay. because they pride themselves on the content, right? You know, right. they get hired for content. But I would, I would suggest that in most cases, we are being hired, you know, not because of content, but because we are solving a problem for the event planner, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? The event planner has a one o'clock slot. They're putting together this jigsaw puzzle called the agenda for three days or two days or whatever. And they're looking at that one o'clock slot and they're saying, okay, what could fit there that doesn't compete with anything else on my agenda that's going to make the delegates happy and that is going to get, you know it's going to solve my problem as far as costs goes and availability and that sort of stuff and and content you know sure they're interested in that absolutely i mean that's what i spend all my time you know on my on the studying yes yeah, studying and 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 doing my research and that's why you know i i work so hard on my blog and my videos is because i'm really content driven but at the end of the day it's not exactly the number one it, you know thing that you're being hired for there's a lot of other there's a lot of other factors now just to talk about the blog so you want a blog you want to start a website right from the beginning it sounds like early pretty early right? i think it's i think it's really important you know one of the things that no one would argue with is that at some point they're going to go online and they're going to look for you and okay. and they're either going to find you you know, some sort of random listing on some association site where you spoke before, or what's much better is they find you on a really nice site that you've carefully developed to present your best first impression. Now, just speaking of a, a blog on your website, if a person is great at speaking, mm -hmm. would they not be better off to do an audio blog and then maybe just have some notes, one, two, three, four, below it about what the audio was about as opposed to them trying to do writing if that's their weakness? Yeah, it's a great it's a great idea. I think the reason why you don't see anybody doing that is because no one wants to listen to audio. Okay, so audio is is got a problem there. Yeah, no one wants to look at audio. Like, how many times do you go to YouTube and just see audio? Okay, let's uh, let's go to a video blog. Video would so be great. Video okay, would be great. so you're not great at talking. Yep. I mean, so you're great at talking, but you're not great at writing, so you create a video blog and then mm -hmm. the notes below. I think... Where the notes come in is for the SEO part because I don't know if Google can find you by uh, speech, but they can find you by the notes. Am I right? Yeah, there's, like, there's a couple of – yeah, so video blogging is great, but the reason why you don't see people doing it all the time is because, first of all, it's when – you, when, you, when you shoot a video, it's more prone to kind of scrutiny 
because people are going to be looking at your backdrop, the clothes you're wearing, any kind of like glitch you make with your speech. And so it's much Lots of distractions. Yeah. And it's much easier to refine your 600 word blog and make it perfect. So I do like video blogs and I, but I do them occasionally. The other reason why the written blog is more popular is because uh, it, first of all, from SEO perspective, it can be full of keywords. So Google can actually find the keywords in the blog. They can't find keywords in a video. And also, I think it's just there's more ability, again, to put like a like if you're trying to develop a really strong argument, like it might, you know, every time I write a blog, Ken, like I put a lot of thought into, okay, what is it that this is going to do to help people? And it's hard for me to do that in a 90 second video. Like I want to provide, you know, references. I want to have links that link to other blogs that I've written. So I'm going to keep people on my site longer, uh, but or I'm going to reference to some authority that I respect that I've learned from. So th- there's just a lot more variety. I can, I can present graphs. I can show them images that are going to augment what I'm talking about. So it's just a lot more variety. And of course, you can do that all with video, but it does have its own barriers as well. And it's, uh, you bring up 90 seconds for a reason, because anything longer than that, uh, it's going to be difficult to hold their attention. Yes. Not that people don't. I mean, you know, I, I will happily watch a 20-minute video if it's unbelievably engaging. But I think that, uh, you know, th- a minute to five minutes is probably the limit for most people. You know, it depends. Like, it, it, you know, when I, put, when I put shows up on SlideShare, for example, I might have 30 to 50 slides. And I'll get 30,000 people clicking all the way through to 50 slides. You know, that's unbelievable. But I'm, what I'm trying to do is keep it really engaging and using really uh, fantastic imagery and, and really short and punchy language. So I'm working really hard to keep their attention. So you could do it this way, then. You could create, if you're great at speaking and you don't want to do the, the video of yourself, so just create a 50-piece slideshow yep. and just talk over Absolutely. It. You could do that, yeah. Or or, or 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 do your talk and then go find some uh, slides that would fit with the talk. Absolutely, yeah. And SlideShare, by the way, is a great place to host that. It's owned by LinkedIn now, and it's uh, it's I think it's like you know 100 million people go to SlideShare every month. Like it's a extremely popular, especially uh, for B two B business to business. It's a very popular place to share your ideas. And uh, what is the cost for SlideShare? It's all free. Yeah, it's free. And then once you put your slide deck up there. You can then easily grab the HTML code and drop it into your blog, and it, it shows beautifully. So in the middle of your blog, you've got your slide share, and people can just start clicking through the slides right there on your blog. So it's a very powerful way for people with very low barrier to entry uh, to put together a slide deck. Now, it's not the same kind of slides that you would use in a presentation at all, mm-hmm. because typically you don't have any audio on top of it. And so you want to make sure that your slides stand alone. So in other words, without hearing you, they can actually follow this deck and it will make complete sense. It will take them right from, you know, what is the problem you want to address right through all the way to what the solution is. And we actually use it as opt-ins for our list. And uh, we've had enormous success in driving traffic from SlideShare to a free opt-in on my site and uh, building my contact list. And are there free slides there that you can use? You build the slides yourself. So you build them in PowerPoint or on a Mac. You build them in Keynote, and then you just simply hit one button and you upload them. So is there any place that you can go and say, okay, I want to buy 50 slides on whitewater rafting I, know I want to use? I, to get the actual images, 
there's a number of sites that are either free or really inexpensive. So you can go to Flickr, and obviously you need to give attribute to the artist, and you need to be careful to use Creative Commons, but Flickr, and you can go to Commercial Creative Commons. Unsplash, so U-N-S-P-L-A-S-H, unsplash.com, is uh, free. Now, it's not doesn't have a lot of images, but it's a, it's a resource that you can go for free images. Also, Pixabay. P-I-X-A-D-A-Y, Pixabay, is uh, free images. And uh, we subscribe to Dollar Photo Club, which is uh, $1 per image. And there's millions of images, Dollar Photo Club. And, and so there's a lot of sites. Uh, another one is 123RF, 123RF. So all of oh, these sites have me... very inexpensive or free images. Uh, the Dollar Photo uh, Dollar Photo Club. Club. In that case, you bought the picture so you can use it any way you anyway, want. You don't have yeah. to put their name on nope, it? you don't have to put their name on it. So it'll look like your own. Exactly right. Yeah, you this pay $1 per at. image. It's, okay, and it's so. got millions of images. And so it's a, we really like that site. So we go there a lot. And So you can say, I want 50 pictures of uh, plumbers doing different jobs, and you're going to find them. Uh, probably, yeah. I'm just trying to solve the problem for people that are strong in one area and weak in another. So, well, the key uh, thing, you know, it's a great, it's a great line of questioning. And the key thing, Ken, that I really encourage speakers to start thinking about is what goes with the speech. You know, again, people get so enamored with the speaking that they think, "Oh, this is fantastic! I'll be up there every week and giving one speech." Or they do, they do the math and they start thinking, "Wow, you know, if I get paid three thousand dollars or five thousand dollars a talk, I'd only have to do, you know, twelve talks to replace my income." And that's true. But what they don't know is that it takes a huge amount of effort to get on that stage. In other words. If you just imagine that there, it's scary up there. Well, it, well, sure. No, there's I, there's that effort. Yeah, there's the effort of of fear, of course. But what I'm saying is that for every one of you trying to get to that one o'clock slot, there's like thousands of other people. The typical speaker bureau has anywhere from 200 to 500 speakers on their roster, and so. They may not all be plumbers. Of course, they're not. But they're, they've got other people that have got fantastic stories and business experience and, and PhDs. And so you're up against all those people. So what I encourage speakers to think about is, yes, get on stage, do all of those things that we've been talking about. But at the same time, start thinking, how else can I serve people? Should I also be a coach? Should I have an online program? Should I do public workshops? Should I have a book? Like, wh what else can I do so that I can serve people in different ways? Because you're not always going to get on stage. But secondly, because it's going to be the kind of streams of income that you're going to really want to rely on as you grow your business, because it's going to mean you don't have to travel as much. It's going to mean that people can also get access to your information at a much lower price level, which means you can increase your volume of people. It, there's just all sorts of benefits by creating those other streams of income. So how about I'm a speaker online and I get paid, you know, again, I guess that's really sure. just creating a live show. Exactly right. You can do that. People. Yep. We've got one coming up at the end of April. We're going to be charging money for, for people to come on board. So if they want to know how to become a speaker, I think we're going to be charging $49 and for a two hour call with me. So they're going to learn how to be a speaker. And so our proposition is this information is not available the way that I teach it. I've got the proven experience. And so you can pay money to learn from me or you can spend 
you know, months trying to find this information in all sorts of different sources. And so, or, or do it the hard or way. Or do it the hard way, right. So occasionally we're going to charge money for those sorts of calls. Okay, so now that we figure that really it's the speaker that's really the 80% of what's going on, you could go to speaker bureaus and say, okay, what fields do you need speakers in? And then design something and learn that subject matter? Or is that... Uh... That would be a mistake. That's basically like saying to a speaker bureau, I don't really know what I'm any good at. And now I'm going to go do a bunch of research and then I'm going to come back and you're going to get really excited about hiring me. You know, with speaker bureaus, you kind of get one shot. You get one shot to make a good first impression and that would not be a good first impression. They stick their neck out to hire experts to go on stage to represent some big client. And so when they are on the phone with PepsiCo or, you know, whoever it is, and they're saying this person is going to be amazing, they need to know that that person is amazing. So they have to believe it. Themselves. Yeah. So what I do, that's why I recommend you go to, you know, Amazon Kindle and association websites. And there's lots of other ways of doing it. But those are two really basic ways. Do your research on your own. And go to the events like, you know, go to these. I'm sure most professionals have been going to their professional events. Well, what's missing there? You know, so, for example, you know, if you're a lawyer and you're in your 40s, you're certainly in your 50s and you're realizing that stress is, has, you know, has cost you like, you know, stress has cost you your health and maybe relationships and whatever and or the workload or whatever. That may be something you can help other lawyers with. So maybe you need to. You need to put together something that helps other lawyers going through the same thing because you've been there and you know that that there's information that you wish you had had 10 years before. Great. That's what you should do. You should go out there and figure it all out, research it, find out your own unique spin on it, and then get out there. And, and one of the things that I really encourage at, at some point that speakers figure out how to do canon, it's a little bit more sophisticated, but it, it's really going to solidify your position in the market, and that is to create your own framework. So I'm a lawyer. I've realized that you know work-life balance, et cetera, et cetera, is a need. My colleagues are suffering. I know that they come to me for advice. Great. Well, don't just go out there and say, I know something about work-life balance. That's This just sounds like you know, you're reworking everybody else's material. What you want to do is you want to, like, look at Stephen Covey. He came up with seven habits of highly effective people. So he came up with a framework, and then now it becomes proprietary to him. It's unique, and he becomes known for that framework. So figure out your own unique way of packaging your message, and mm-hmm. then you become recognized for that solution. Nice. Just to go back to the time factor. So, okay, we have an accountant. He's spoken a few times in, at, a, at a few association meetings. Now, he wasn't really getting paid, but he, he did a decent job and so on. So now he wants to go into this public speaking as a business. How long before he can start making money? <laughs> well, no, that's a great question. He could be making money right away. Absolutely. He could be making money right away. So he's that accountant you know, knows his stuff and he's reasonably good on stage, he could be making money this month. You know, all it takes is someone to hear about him or him to connect with somebody and they're willing to pay him to fly out and speak in wherever, a different state at that association meeting. Um, He could also be paid to go in and do like, for example, a lunch and learn or to work at a corporate event. So maybe there's a large partnership and they have their annual event and they bring their staff together and they want to bring this person in because they are outside of the firm, they've got a different perspective and their credibility 
is such that they can come in and really help us to do something differently, you know. So you could be paid right away. Whether okay, you could be paid consistently and whether you could be paid in the higher amounts, that's what takes time to build up. And that's where I usually say to speakers, give it three years. And if you're doing all these things right and you're building your platform and you're working hard and you're not just simply, you know, you know, staying at home, talking to yourself, like you're actually, you know, working at this and continually taking courses and learning. Within three years, if you've got what it takes, you you should be you should be bringing in at least six figures of income. You know, so you should be in the low to mid mark. All right. I was speaking to to one person, and the way he said it is, I just keep throwing out content, content, content. I don't phone anybody. And he said, after a period of time, I put enough content out there, everyone was calling me. But I didn't. He didn't do any outbound at all. That might be a slower way of doing it. I don't know, but that's the way he approached it, and it was successful for him. Yep. You know, I think that he probably had some other things going on for him because. Like as much as I love content marketing and we're really students of it, in fact, we have an entire program which we call SOS for speakers. And what it does is it takes their content and puts it onto social media. And it's a very successful service. We have clients around the world now that use our our service called SOS. Uh, And as much as that um, works, you do need to get it out there. Like that's what our service does is it takes that content and it gets it onto social media. It gets people actually looking at it, reading it. But I am a big fan of continually creating great content. It does two things. It allows people to read what you're writing about. It allows people to kind of test the wares, so to speak, by looking at what, how, you, how you explain things before they hire you. But also it makes you a better speaker because it forces you to think through your arguments and it forces you to create, to describe and use stories in a really succinct manner. So it actually improves your skills on stage. So in the social media realm, when it comes to speaking, what is, I mean, it's pretty hard to sign up with everything. What is the most important one? LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook? I, I would say Twitter and LinkedIn right now, especially for B2B. So if you are a speaker, start building up my Twitter followers and profile, and but also LinkedIn. LinkedIn has the publish program now, so you can actually publish your articles directly on LinkedIn. And I'm starting to see some really good traction with those articles. So that's something to help build your platform. Also, just contacting people. Like I have a call later today with a client, uh, hopefully a new client. And I just connected with her on LinkedIn based on her profile. So I do see that people respond differently to invitations on LinkedIn than they would on by email even. So I would go uh, Twitter for building up following and getting people to actually share your content and LinkedIn for making contacts. Now, you're kind of avoiding Facebook there. Is that too, more of a family thing, you think? No, or? not at all. Like a, a Facebook a page gets you out of the normal news stream, the news feed. And so we use Facebook pages. We put our clients on Facebook pages. The challenge is that Facebook is obviously driving advertising sales. And so they are really reducing the shares that happen on Facebook posts. So it's just more and more difficult to get seen on Facebook. You know, I think it's now less than 16% of your content actually gets shared. So, or I should say it in a different way. Your content gets to less than 16% of your followers. And so... Unless you pay. Unless you pay. Exactly. Unless you pay. And I'm sure Twitter's going to head to that model too. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, probably will. So, but, yeah, you know, the, okay. the name of the game at the end of the day is to get people onto your list. That's what you can control. And nobody's going to be able to restrict that. And so... All of what we do to help speakers promote their blog and their content is to get opt-ins. That's our 
our number one goal. And so as I've been growing my business, Ken, I've realized over and over that, you know, if I want to really grow a sustainable business, especially one that has multiple streams of income, it's my list. It's being able to get into people's inboxes that really trumps a lot of the other activities that we do. And then when you say list, you, you mean your email My list, contact right? list, exactly right, yeah. Contact list, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's critical. All right. So if folks want to get a hold of you and, and uh, your website and so on, what, what, what can you Sure. Uh, so, there's, uh, so thanks for that. There's, they can just go to my site, so hughculver.com, H-U-G-H-C-U-L-V-E-R, hughculver.com. And then go to resources. There's all sorts of free videos there that, that uh, they'll, they probably will find really helpful. And they can follow my blog. Um, and also, if they uh, – so there's a webinar, for example, as we record this. There's a webinar. Uh, it'll probably uh, be finished by the time that this comes out. But we usually announce our webinars right there on the home page, the next webinars that are coming out that uh, they can take advantage of. And most of them are free. So it's a great way to learn from me and to grow your speaking business. And decide if you want to be in speaking. Oh, exactly right. Yeah. Well, you know, as you hopefully, as you can tell, I, you know, I try. I mean, I'm very enthusiastic, but I also try not to sugarcoat it because you're not. It's a business, right? <laughs> it's a it's a business, and it's wonderful. Yes, you, to, you know, to get out there and be rewarded handsomely for the work that you do. But it's a business, and if you work at it, you can do extremely well in that business. But you never want to, you know, think that it's it's just simply going to be easy because because you've got a great story to tell. Okay. Now, e- is there an email you want to give us, or we'll just get it at the website? You can just go to the website and contact us there. Yeah, I've got a team. We have a team here in uh, Kelowna. There's seven of us now on the team. Uh, so there's always somebody that'll that'll help out. And then we also will be offering the BOSS program again next year. That's with my colleague, Jane Atkinson. So that is a eight-week-long, uh, fantastic program. We're in, the, we're in halfway through the pilot uh, this year. So next March... In 2016, we'll be launching that again. It's an eight-week program that takes people through the entire process of building a successful, sustainable speaking business. And that is a a video uh, Uh, package. uh, It's a combination. So you get your videos every week to uh, your, we call it your schoolwork. And at the end of the week on Friday, we have a, a call with all of the speakers on board and we have a private Facebook group and plus there's individual private coaching calls with Jane and myself. So it's a really comprehensive program. We kicked it off this year. We sold, we oversold the tickets. We, we were incredibly pleased with the response. We sold more than we, even our most lofty goals, and we already have a waiting list for next year. So it's, nice. a, yeah, it's a really fantastic program, and it's called the Business of Speaking School. So it's all about how to actually build a business and get hired. The Business of Speaking School. Business of wow. Speaking School. Okay. And you can go directly to the site, which is businessofspeakingschool.com. Dot com. And you can learn all about it. Yeah, it's very powerful. And it's, a, it's the only program I've seen like this, which is really focused on the business of speaking, whereas there's a lot of programs that talk about stage presence and telling stories, but very few of them are all about how to actually get hired. <laughs> Which is the important well, part. Well, it kind of is, right? It's sort of a chicken and the egg. And so that's uh-huh. why I looked at, well, what am I actually naturally interested in? And as you can tell from this interview, I'm really interested in the business side of things, the research, the developing the products, even the negotiations. And so I decided to, with the help of my friend Jane Atkinson, who's the author of The Wealthy Speaker, who's really world-renowned in terms of coaching speakers and developing speaker businesses to hook up with Jane and, let's, and build something that nobody else has built. 
And yeah, we're really excited about it. We're already getting fantastic results from our students. What I want to do is put a lot of this references in my show notes, so I may have to get an email from you of for course. some of the stuff I might have missed. I want I want it all up there so people can get a hold of you. Uh, any last uh, few moments of uh, hope? Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Well, in this interview, I mean, you know, maybe I've come across as being I don't know, you know, more rigorous around the research and and cautious. But here, you know, the reality is this: is at the end of the day, when it comes to actually speaking. It's an amazing privilege to be able to get on stage and to have a captive audience that you can share your advice, your humor, you know, your insights and your energy with. And if anybody listening to this feels inclined, take the expertise, like, for example, you're a retired executive or you've built up your own business or, or you know, you've never worked. It doesn't really matter. You have got probably more life skills and more knowledge and more insights than you have any idea of. And people need that. And so... Our world is full with people struggling, and they may be in their 30s, 40s, or 50s, or 60s, but they're struggling in some aspect in their life, and it's really simple. If you can help them to get from where they are to where they want to be, either faster, cheaper, or easier, then you've got a business. You've got a business. You just have to figure out how to actually put that into a package that people can actually buy. Oh, that's that's great advice. And no, uh, I didn't want to sound like I was thinking it was going to be real difficult. I mean, I think speaking is difficult for a lot of people, but for those that are inclined to do it, it's a dream business. It is, yeah, yeah. And you know, and here's a here's a misconception, Ken, that I think is out there quite a lot, and that is that you know everybody has to look like Tony Robbins, and it's not about that at all. I've seen some some of my favorite speeches that I've enjoyed have been from a speaker who just stood in the middle of the stage and just talked and just shared stories, but did it in such a way that it was so engaging because they were speaking about things that they had actually experienced in their life. They were speaking in in a way that was not talking down to us. They were not lecturing at us. They were sharing insights. They were doing it in a way that was exciting and energetic, but without them jumping around. So I don't think that anybody needs to think that they need to go out there and, you know, like lose 50 pounds, you know, and suddenly start, you know, jumping around on stage like Mick Jagger. It's not about that. It's more about being relevant and providing some some help to people where you can, you know, be received. And and sometimes for speakers, they just need to think like about the basics, like show up early, be nice, be curious, don't talk about yourself. You're there to serve. Mm-hmm. And then get up there and do your job. Serve yeah. people. And if you do that, it, it really doesn't matter what you look like or how much you jump around. You will be received and people will just absolutely love it. If you serve enough people, you'll get served. It's, it's so true, right? It, it's so true. And I think that we're so quick to minimize you know, our, what we know. Like we're, we're so quick to devalue it and to compare ourselves and, and to stop ourselves before we even try. And the reality is there's audiences out there right now waiting for all of us. And we just need to decide how do we want to present ourselves and how do we want to actually make this, turn this into a business if that's, if that's what we're inclined to do. Well, and I really believe that every man has, if they've lived 50 or 60 years, knows something. Of course. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't live that long and not have learned something. Now, maybe you learned all the wrong ways of doing something, but maybe we need that book too. 
Yeah, no, it's really true. I'm working with a I'm working with a speaker right now, and you know, he came from the not for profit world, and this is probably the last thing that he would have thought about doing. You know, he he came from, first of all, he was in the military, then he joined the not for profit world, rose up to the highest ranks, and then he took an early retirement, and now he's an author, he's a speaker, he is a coach. It has consulting contracts. He speaks part-time at universities. And all of this has happened in 18 months. He's living the dream. <laughs> well, he is. Yeah, he is. And he doesn't have employees anymore. And he can do it from home. And he can, you know, wear, he can wear a T-shirt to work. So it's all happened in 18 months. It's not because he's like incredibly, you know, crazy, energetic, dynamic. He's, he's not. Like he's just a really solid guy that's willing to stick his neck out there and do those things like blogging every week and getting that book written and and asking for what he wants and and it's working for him right and so i think if he can do it then there's a lot of people that can do it as well just one last question the you mentioned the book how important for a speaker that's going to decide okay i'm going to specialize in this field to get a book out as quickly as possible or wait till he's famous then write the book i think a book is uh, a huge tipping point for most people in their career. It's an instant credibility piece. It's a whole other topic, of course, to go into because of the science behind book publishing. I would suggest as far as the when question is that as soon as you know you have something to put on paper that you would be happy to live with for at least three years, then you should get your book out there. So, okay, earlier is better than earlier later. Earlier is better than later. Even if you just simply put a book on Kindle, I would get it out there. It's easier than ever before. Books become an, a really fantastic revenue source for your business. So don't ever believe people that say it's an expensive business card. It's not. If you know what to do with a book, it's a fantastic negotiation tool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you can also, of course, sell it back of room. So as soon as you can, as soon as you know that you have – content that you're happy to live with for three years, get the book out there. I just, the, the fear of some that I've spoken to is, uh, oh, they'll hear my political beliefs, my spiritual beliefs, and if they know all that stuff, I'm going to lose, you know, most of them. Well, that's, of course, your personal preference, right? So, you know, there's a lot of Christians, for example, that just simply don't, that's not part of what the book's about, right? So they have very strong uh, religious beliefs, but their book is a you know, solid leadership nonfiction book. It just depends what you want to put in there. It depends what your goal is for your book. You know, most authors... How much How much personality, uh, how much do you reveal, I guess, is the question. Well, let's, well, let's go back to, you know, Stephen Covey, right? As far as I know, he was quite a strict Mormon, right? But you never would have known that reading his books. So it wasn't mm-hmm. the purpose of his books. Well, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking so much time, Hugh, to be on the show, and I look forward to talking to you maybe in a few months or a year and see what new things you're up to. That's great. I really appreciate it as well. Uh, thanks, Ken. Thanks, and thanks for what there... you do. I really I really respect the fact that you're going out there and doing a lot of the things that we talked about. You're sticking your neck out there, and you're building your own you know, your own path and your own business. Thank you. All right. Until, until next time, thanks again. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Ken. Okay. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.